Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today for part two of the deadly sins listed in Proverbs chapter six. And uh, what an exciting time this is to look at this subject. You know, when I look at the Bible, I'm so glad that it gives me the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this passage, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, you talk about plans to prosper and not to do you harm, you know, hope in a future, and, and all that sounds good. But, you know, that was written to the Israelites who were exiled in Babylon. Now, the good news was that God would bring them back to their homeland. Now, the bad news was that uh, this was going to take another uh, 70 years before that was going to happen. You see, those who were taken to Babylon, they were going to spend most of their lives there. They had the best part of their lives being spent in captivity. God told them to follow the plan. Go ahead and build houses. Go ahead and, and live in them. Go ahead and plant your gardens and and eat their produce, go ahead and get married, have children, instruct them to do the same, you know, seek the welfare of your city, and then pray on its behalf, all while they're under captivity. So God never expects us to sit back and do nothing just because we're not in the most desirable position. You see, God's plan, it was a tough pill to swallow, but being disobedient to God is what caused them God's chosen people, to be in captivity. These exiles decided not to follow God's plan. But now God says, I want you to follow my plan, even while you are in exile. You know, in the business world, you want to formulate a strategy, and you want to have a plan for realizing that strategy. And and it's always tough, right? And that's why most businesses don't succeed. But if you will come up with a plan and formulate that strategy and stick with it, even in the dark times, even in the difficult times, even when the markets fell and technologies fell, and you keep going and you're persistent, that business, if it's a viable business, it will succeed. You see, regardless of how well you plan, you'll never outdo God's master plan for your life. And so we're looking at some sins that can set us back, deadly sins. These are the sins that are going to cause us to get off track. And so let's read the text, and then uh, let's do a review of of where we've gone so far. But there are six things that the Lord hates. Proverbs 6.16, and seven are an abomination to him. Pride, a pride look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations feet that are swift to run to mischief, a false balance that speaks lies, and then he who sows discord among the brethren. So we could summarize these seven deadly sins as pride, envy, wrath, sloth, greed, gluttony, and and lust. So the first one, pride, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Now, pride, I guess you could say, is one of those sins that is hard to detect in ourselves. It seems like it's pretty easy to to see in somebody else, but it's very difficult for us to acknowledge the sin of pride. I guess pride keeps us from acknowledging our sin of pride. It's hard to admit that we have really 
miss something. It's hard to admit that we are really full of ourselves. But when we defeat pride in our lives, God breathes new life into our being. The Bible talked a lot about pride. Uh, Pride, when it comes, it brings disgrace. But when humility comes, it brings wisdom. Everyone who is arrogant in their heart is an abomination to the Lord, says Proverbs 16.5. You're not going to go unpunished. Uh, You may have a delayed punishment, but God's wheels of justice, they always will grind. Proverbs 29.23, pride brings a person low, but then a lowly spirit will cause you to be honored. James 4.6, God gives more grace, therefore it says, but he opposes the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. And then Peter said, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we spent a lot of time talking about pride, and then we spent some time talking about envy that feeling negative towards somebody because they have what you want or because they've done something that you want to do. So envy, we learned, is the sin that is the least fun out of the seven deadly sins. We gave a few verses on the subject of envy, and then we talked and ended our broadcast yesterday talking about road rage and how to have success with road rage. But let me just give you a few more verses on the subject of overcoming wrath, overcoming anger. Now, I've discovered one of the best ways to overcome. Now, anger is one of those things that I I struggled with through much of my early adult life. But I learned some verses that really helped me, okay? Psalm 37, 8, cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved. Now, this is one that I memorized and helped me more than these other verses I'm going to give you, but avenge not yourself, but rather give no place into wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I learned the reason that I was becoming so angered is because I felt like something was going to go and be left undone. All right, somebody was going to get away with something, and uh, and God wasn't going to take care of that situation, so so I had to take care of it. Uh, but I, as I memorized this verse, uh, it says, don't avenge yourselves. When you get filled with anger, uh, don't take it upon yourself to be the vigilante and get that person back, right? Rather give place to the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. And the reason I think this is so important is because I learned that when I tried to get somebody back, several things happened. One, it appeared to me that oftentimes they didn't even realize I was trying to get them back. And so I'd have to get them back again because they missed the fact that I was trying to get them. And I also learned that when I was trying to get people back, it seemed like I never got them back enough. They didn't notice it, or I didn't get them back enough. And then I figured this thing out. Now, this, is, this, is, this was transformational for me. Vengeance is mine. 
I will repay, says the Lord. So when the Lord gets somebody back, he gets them back. They know the Lord's getting them back, and he gets them back to the right degree. So just let the Lord handle it, and let him take care of it. Because James 1.20 also says, the wrath of man doesn't work about the righteousness of God. You see, when I get upset with somebody, and I'm filled with wrath and rage toward that person, I'm not bringing about God's righteousness on that person. I'm actually doing the work of the enemy. Proverbs 29 says that a fool will give full vent to their rage, but the wise will bring calm in the end. Matthew 26, Jesus is talking to Peter. Uh, They're coming to get Jesus after Judas has betrayed him, and so Peter says, I'm going to take care of this situation. He pulls out his sword, right? Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said, all who draw the sword will die by the sword. What is Jesus saying? He's not talking about self-defense. He's talking about the fact that if you are a person that gives full vent to your rage, that rage will be your undoing. You will die by the rage that you give to others. So, the sin of pride, the sin of anger, the sin of wrath or rage. And then number four, the fourth deadly sin, the sin of laziness or sloth. Now, the definition of slothful simply means lazy. It's an image of a mom trying to wake up a teenager, right? Uh, who doesn't want to get up, and he's slow-moving, he's taking no initiative, and and his life is a mess. He he acts like he can't hear the mom, and then she has to tell him 10 times before he finally gets up and finally gets moving, and he's acting like she is inflicting such pain on him. And he has become part of the couch, and, and somehow he's blind to everything piling up around him. This is certainly one aspect of laziness, but there's other aspects of laziness. Another side of laziness is that somehow it slips under the radar. This has a darker side to it. And uh, I think about the darker side as the one who just refuses to be motivated towards spiritual things. Of all the deadly sins, now sloth, some would say, is a lightweight. Some say, really, sloth? Seriously? I mean, this is a deadly sin? You know, when it comes to the other six, maybe we get it. We know that pride goes before a fall. We know that anger, too, often leads to violence. We know that lust can destroy us from the inside out, and that envy put Jesus on the cross. We even get the gluttony can lead to premature death. But seriously, has anyone ever died from taking it easy? You know, I'm pretty sure that uh, you're not going to have a coroner report that reads, cause of death, took too many naps. The sloth may not get you to the top of the ladder, but is it really that bad? You know, it's not to mention that Americans are probably the most hyperactive people in the world. I mean, look at most Americans. We have a low unemployment rate. And we literally run on Red Bull and Adderall and Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, we work long hours and we take fewer vacations than most of the industrialized world. And when we're not on the job, we're at home, right? 
doing home improvements and driving the kids somewhere or we're going to the gym to work out. We go to any health club at seven o'clock on a Monday morning and and it'd be full. And and it's hard pressed to say that Americans are lazy. But sloth seems to be the least deadly or at least the, the least relevant of all the deadly sins. Yet, as we are looking at our lives, honestly, we all procrastinate. We all uh, spend way too much time daydreaming. We run late for appointments or we miss them entirely. We can uh, fritter away a whole entire evening in front of the TV or in front of our computers. We spend way too much time on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube or Pinterest or whatever our web addiction happens to be. We tend for things to happen that we never actually even start. We start things that we never actually finish. And we end up neglecting God or people because of our laziness or distraction. Maybe that's why the Bible takes slothfulness and laziness so seriously. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. We get a bit of ancient wisdom here attributed to Solomon, arguably the most industrious man in history, and yet he discovered firsthand the trouble a person can get into when they have too much time on their hands. You know, there's another verse that really is very poignant on this subject and deals directly with it. Proverbs 18.9, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Like, one who destroys? Really? Now you think about it. How many dreams have died? How many relationships have suffered? How many plans have been aborted? How many initiatives have failed? Simply for lack of effort. Maybe, just maybe, it's time that we take laziness seriously, especially when it comes to the spiritual disciplines in our lives. I mean, how many people wake up on Sunday morning and say, man, I'm going to just stay home today. I'm too lazy to go to church. How many people will say, well, I'm just too lazy to read the Bible today. I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. And we never seem to get around to it. You see, God has called us to be industrious for his endeavor. Work for the night is coming when man cannot work. You see, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. You know, for the believer, we're going to face the beam of judgment. You know, God's going to give every one of us the opportunity to explain ourselves in the beam of judgment. God's going to say, you know, I gave you these wonderful gifts, these talents. At the moment of your conversion, I gave you these gifts that you could use to advance the gospel, these gifts that you could use to build up the body of Christ, these gifts that you could use to be a blessing and an encouragement to your family. How did you use these gifts? Were you too busy to use your spiritual gifts to glorify God? and to build up his kingdom. You know, when I think about that beam of judgment, everybody has got to give an account of how they use the gifts that God has given us. 
You know, time is a precious commodity. We all have the same amount of time. You may think you're an important, busy person, but God doesn't give you more time than he gives anybody else. God tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Use time and use it effectively, realizing that God has given you gifts to be utilized within the confines of the time in which you are living. Use these gifts to encourage others, to be a blessing to others. Don't squander your life. Well, we've talked about pride. We've talked about anger. We've talked about wrath. We've talked about laziness. Now we're going to look at the subject of greed. This next sin, this next deadly sin, is a sin that is found in Luke chapter 12, verse number 15 where Jesus warns us to be weary of every form of greed. You know, greed can take on many different flavors. And so Jesus said to them, Beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. For not everyone who has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And for not even the one who has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. In other words, life is more about Christ in relationships. The main thing in life is not things at all. Now, the Greek word that Jesus used there for greed has the meaning of covetousness. It has the meaning of being aggressive to obtain. It is a desire for an advantage. We can desire to have an advantage, or we can covet about anything, really. We can be greedy for somebody else's talents, somebody else's friends, or somebody else's family. Yeah, I thought it was really weird the other day. Somebody came up to me and said, I wish I was you. I said, you wish you were me. I said, you have a very low standard of what life is all about. I said, God has created you the way you are. You see, when we covet the way someone else does something, We feel like we're missing the golden touch of success when really it could be that we are driven by greed. You know, we can also be greedy about something that doesn't belong to a particular person, but is something more nebulous. For example, when we get excessively focused on reaching a goal, maybe it's weight loss, or maybe it's an organization or, or acknowledgement or in a career path. We can become driven by greed. You know, we hate greed, but it's so hard for us to admit that we are greedy. Zogby recently conducted a large benchmark poll in which respondents identified greed or materialism as the number one most urgent problem in American culture. Poverty, economic justice, finished in second place. In this particular Vanity Fair poll, 78% of Americans disagreed with the famous, quote, greed is good. Only 19% agreed. In a recent poll of economist readers, they were asked, what is the deadliest sin? And greed ranked number one. So we know that greed is a problem. We don't see a whole lot of dispute 
about the fact that greed is a deadly sin. But surprisingly, although everyone thinks greed is a terrible problem, most people don't think that they are greedy. When the BBC conducted a poll on the seven deadly sins, anger, envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, and sloth, greed was last on the list in answer to two questions. Here's the first one. Which sin have you ever committed? And which sin have you committed in the past month? Amazingly, nobody put greed as a sin that they had committed within the past month. As we look at this, seven out of seven on a list of this list, and we don't even see greed in our own selves. Tim Keller argues, even though it is clear that the world is filled with greed and materialism, almost no one thinks it is true of them. Greed hides itself from the victim. I want to encourage you, don't love money. Paul says the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. I notice he didn't say money in and of itself. Money is an inanimate object. Money is a reflection of value. It has nothing to do with a sin per se. But if we love something that is inanimate, we love money, then it becomes the root of all evil. Money should be nothing more than a tool that we use to pay our bills, to provide for our family. Money should be used, never loved. You see, greed is that one-eyed monster that every single one of us battle with. I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to have the antidote for overcoming greed. And you might not like my answer. There's only one antidote to destroy greed in your life. You know what it is? Giving. As we give, it releases us from the grip of materialism. It releases us from the desire of things. As we give generously, the Lord loves a generous giver, is more blessed to give than it is to receive. As we give, we are releasing ourselves from the grips of greed. We're releasing ourselves from materialism, and we are trusting God. I discovered that God can handle my life much better than I can handle it on my own. As I surrender to Him, as I give my resources over to Him and back to Him and give to others, I've discovered that I am released from materialism. Study after study has proven that it's not the richest people that give the most. We're talking about percentages, not dollar amount. Uh, Those who give the most are those who are, are released from greed. Now, just because you don't have a whole lot doesn't mean you battle greed. I'm not implying that. But as a general rule, the more you have, the more you want to hang on to. As we give, God blesses us in giving in return. But at that giving in return is not always a dollar per dollar. I think about things like health. You can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars for good health insurance and find the best doctors. But it's God who gives good health. Not doctors, not hospitals. They help you to, to get back into good health. But health is a gift that is given to us from God. Well, my time is up. I want you to join me tomorrow 
We're going to wrap up this series tomorrow on the seven deadly sins. We've talked about pride, anger, wrath, sloth, and then we're going to and greed. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to talk about gluttony, the last of the seven deadly sins, and then rather lust is the last. So we're, we'll cover those last two tomorrow. So thank you for joining me today. Uh, what a joy it is to, to be able to be set free from these deadly sins. Now, don't forget, our Winterfest is coming up and uh, December the 9th, Saturday, December the 9th, 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. I would love to have you join me at Hickory Ridge Community Church. And uh, it's from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock, December the 9th. And don't forget Christmas Eve, December 24th, our Christmas Eve services, 9 a.m., 3 p.m., both candlelight services. I would love to see you on Christmas Eve. Well, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that the word of God is to us. Lord, give us victory over pride. Help us not to be filled with anger. Help us not to be lazy. Uh, Help us not to be greedy. And Lord, help us to surrender completely to you. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise for the victory that you have given us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Join me tomorrow as we wrap up the series on seven deadly sins. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.